This is the way. What is up, all of you? Ugnots and Jawas out there, and welcome back to another episode of Mando Talk and the third edition of my Mando Rewatch series where I revisit episodes of Din Djarin and Grogu's journey to prepare myself and you for season three of The Mandalorian. In this episode, we are actually playing a little bit of catch-up and re-watching chapters five through eight of The Mandalorian, which allows us to finish season one before the Christmas holiday, which, by the way, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a Happy New Year to all of you. This may be the last podcast episode that I do before 2023 rolls around, so I wanted to make sure that I got all of those holiday greetings extended to all of you. The only way we will do one more episode before the new year is if we do, in fact, get a Mandalorian Season 3 trailer somewhere around that Christmas holiday. I believe there have been previous news reports that that is a possibility. So stand by on that. But regardless, I am so excited to potentially, to possibly be delivering this last episode of 2022. And we're actually going to be doing some kind of appreciation uh, in this episode because I really have a lot of a lot of thoughts and ideas from you guys. I hopped on over to Twitter. I also hopped on over to Discord, and I asked to get some feedback regarding Season 1 of The Mandalorian from you. And we're going to spend a lot of time reading your tweets and your Discord messages. And I'm just going to, you know, discuss with you and, and share my opinions on your thoughts. Probably, if I had a feeling, agree with a lot of the things that you guys had to say. But we will definitely see when we get there but before we begin i've got some bounty instructions number one subscribe to our youtube channel for even more star wars focused content including trailer reactions youtube shorts star wars news reports called razor crest rundowns and so much more which by the way i believe as i'm recording this i just actually had trailer reactions for jedi survivor the bad batch season two and also some youtube shorts for both of those release on that youtube platform it's kind of hard to do those on podcast platforms so that's why you need to hop on over to youtube as well and subscribe to us there to get that extra bonus content number two the second bounty instruction we are also on spotify apple amazon google and wherever you get your podcast rate us five stars and subscribe to us there for convenient audio only listening when life has you busy and one more thing Be sure to turn on notifications on all those platforms because you never know when I'll drop a new podcast episode or video. All right, let's get into Chapter 5, The Gunslinger. In this chapter, we meet Pelimoto for the first time, and from trailers, it appears this character will be back. I also believe we've gotten confirmation of that, in fact. Does that mean, yet again, another visit to Tatooine, or will she leave the planet? I have to admit personally, Tatooine, I don't think I'm getting to the point where I have fatigue of Tatooine, but I also wouldn't mind seeing Pelimoto 
leave the planet to where we actually don't visit Tatooine during a season of the Mandoverse storytelling. So far, we've we've gone to Tatooine in every single season that we've spent inside this era of Star Wars, it seems like. So I wouldn't mind either way, but I am kind of leaning toward I hope she leaves the planet, but I kind of doubt that she leaves the planet. She seems like somebody that would be a homebody, which is totally relatable and totally understandable. So we'll definitely see, but you can let me know what you think of that. Are we going to go to Tatooine again, or is Pelimoto actually leaving the home? Is she uh, is she feeling risque and, and going out and about to other locations? Second takeaway from Chapter 5, this episode serves more as a setup for Season 2 and the Book of Boba Fett as Fennec Shand becomes a more relevant character moving forward in those two stories. But of course, that allows me to mention my final takeaway, and that is Boba Fett. I know Boba Fett, obviously, we spend more time with him in Season 2, but is there a possibility that we could see Boba Fett in Season 3 of The Mandalorian? I certainly think so, because we do know that we have a writer that worked on the Book of Boba Fett that also now works on Season 3 of The Mandalorian. It would be very interesting and rather cool to see that writer, I'm blanking on his name right now, continue to get to work with that character since he's worked with that character so much in the past with the book of Boba Fett it'd be cool to to see that chapter that this writer is working on in season three to see that character come back but we'll certainly see you can let me know what you think about a Boba Fett appearance I'm leaning toward Boba Fett appearing in some way because I think they're very interested in in keeping this connected storytelling but we'll definitely see all right on to chapter six the prisoner Mando goes to a former partner, Rand, to do a job and earn some credits. Why do I want a comic series to see what Mando and this gang used to do together? Or maybe this could even be played out in Season 3 with more flashbacks. Like, maybe we see more flashbacks with Din Djarin, and we see where he's gone, where he's been to, what he's done before the events of The Mandalorian. I could see that playing out, but I could also see that not playing out. If it doesn't play out in the series, I would prefer to see a comic book series to show what Mando and this this ragtag group, uh, this really sketchy group, honestly, what they used to do together. All right, second takeaway, the New Republic prison droids featured in this episode, I expect to see again as we get more New Republic scenes in the upcoming season. I believe in one of the trailers, it looks like Dr. Pershing is actually working his way around a New Republic location. So maybe we'll see those those droids there. Third and final takeaway for Chapter 6, I will say we don't have to see Mayfeld in Season 3 based on his character's end in Season 2. But I would love to see him simply because the character is awesome. He's a former Imperial sharpshooter dealing with a lot of PTSD from the war and now despises the Empire. Could we even see the other characters that were left in the cell with Mayfeld at the end of this episode? I can't remember if he mentioned something about those characters in season two when we catch up with him again. But of course, that's what this rewatch series is for. We're filling in these gaps that we may have forgotten about since it's been three years since we've seen season one and two years since we've seen season two. So that's what this rewatch series is for. You know, we're, we're making sure that we're remembering all these things, but regardless, I could see those characters popping up again because the last time that we saw them, they were alive. And if Mayfeld got out, I'm sure that they got out as well. All right. Chapter seven, the reckoning takeaway. Number one, Grogu displays a dark side trait of choking Cara Dune when she is arm wrestling Mando in star Wars. We always see, 
Jedi Tempted by the Dark. Is this something that Grogu will go through in Season 3? I think it's something that we could potentially expect one day, but I don't know if we're quite ready for Grogu to be tempted by the dark side in Season 3. I'm certainly there for it if it happens. I mean, I hate to see Grogu go through that struggle because, you know, he's just a cute little awesome guy, uh, but uh, it could certainly happen. I just... I would rather hear him speak first in season three and then in season four and later seasons dive deeper into his internal struggles. But that's just me personally. We'll definitely see on that. But I do expect him to be tempted by the dark side at some point. It's like I said, that's the DNA of Star Wars. All Jedi have to go through that. All right, second takeaway of Chapter 7, the penultimate episode of Season 1. Massive character turning point for Grief Cargo when Grogu heals his wounds. This has had a lasting impact on him as he feels in debt to Mando and Grogu, and I expect nothing less in Season 3. We know, of course, Grief Cargo is back. Can't wait to see Carl Weathers back in action, and I believe he's also going to be in the director's chair, so that's certainly exciting. And he's looking certainly fresh in season three as well from the trailers. I think he's got like this fancy red robe garment kind of thing on. He looks great. All right, third and final takeaway for chapter seven. Moff Gideon makes his big time arrival, killing the client and revealing he has played Mando, Grief, and Kara all along. He's such an incredible character, and I'm dying to know his current status because, of course, jumping ahead again at the end of season two, we know that he was basically to the point where he was about to kill himself because he knew Luke Skywalker was coming. I want to know how he gets out of that, what's going on with Moff Gideon. I can't wait, and I can't wait to learn more about this guy. I know we get subtle teases, and this is actually a segue into Chapter 8, Redemption, the finale. I know that in the finale, it's revealed that Moff Gideon is a former ISB officer. So I'm still wondering more about this guy's past, though, especially his training with the Darksaber, because we see in the Book of Boba Fett that it's very difficult to wield that weapon. So I'm dying to know how he, and I know he gets beat by Din Djarin. I know that Din Djarin beats him in season two, and relatively, no, I don't. I wouldn't say easily, but he he beats him. But he still had enough training with it where he was able to to move it relatively easily compared to Din Djarin early on in season actually not season two this was the book of boba fett where din Djarin finally starts training with that dark saber but you know i just have questions i have questions about moff gideon but anyway back to chapter eight redemption the reveal of moff gideon being a former isb officer just reminds me that the best villains in this new age of star wars are all connected to the isb and really i put that in my notes to say and to connect this to andor and the fact that i absolutely love dedra she's one of my favorite characters yet of course, she's an ISB officer. Love that character. Loved Andor. I didn't have an opportunity to talk about Andor spoiler discussions or reviews like that because life got crazy there. But regardless, I had to make that Dedra plug in there. All right, number two for Chapter 8 Redemption. We see the final pieces to the flashback of Dinjarm being saved by the Death Watch. Are we done learning about Din's past and specifically his training when he was taken in? I certainly hope we aren't done, but I could see it going either way. That That's just my personal take there. Um, I feel like we know the things that we need to know regarding Din Djarin being saved by that Death Watch group. 
But I would also, you know, maybe we even learn specifically the individual that got him out of there because I know it's a big deal that Grogu was individually saved by Din Djarin. Well, who's the individual that individually saved Din Djarin, if that makes sense, if, you, if you're following where I'm going there. Uh, but uh, maybe we're diving too deep in there. Anyway, moving on, third takeaway, Grogu displays yet again remarkable force abilities by blocking the flamethrower. It has, to, it has to be genetic with the species, so of course we have to ask the question, will we ever learn that species, and could we learn it in Season 3? I'm of the opinion that the species of Grogu and Yoda is something that should always remain a secret. It should just be one of those running Star Wars things where we never quite know. We just know that that species is extremely powerful in the Force. The only way I could ever see it being revealed is in the absolute final episode of this entire show. Not in Season 3, not in Season 4, whatever season they have planned being the last, the final episode. I think that's the only time and the only way we may see that. But of course, like I've been in the past, I could be totally wrong about that. But all we have to do is wait and see. All right, next up, number four from Chapter 8. Massive character turning point here for Din Djarin when IG-11 saves him and shows he cares for baby Yoda as well. This newfound respect for droids will certainly carry over into the new season. And also, I'm to the point where I would like to see Din Djarin get himself a droid. Grogu needs a droid to play with. I mean, we saw in Season 2 that Grogu loved having R2-D2 around. We see that a little bit more in the Book of Boba Fett. Grogu needs a droid. Din Djarin, you need to get Grogu a droid for Christmas. Get him a droid March 1st. We need to see that droid with you, and, and that way we, get, we just continue to get more cute and, and awesome moments with Grogu. But in all seriousness, you know what? No, I'm going to double down. Din Djarin, get a droid. You're getting a droid. Upcoming season, prediction, there you go. Season 3, Din Djarin and Grogu come out of it with a new droid. We'll see. Maybe it'll be the, the next lovable droid for the Star Wars franchise. All right, final takeaway for Chapter 8 Redemption is how in the world, I still don't think we know this, how in the world did Moff Gideon acquire the Darksaber? Again, that may be something that has been answered. I may have just forgotten it personally. But again, that's what we're doing, this rewatch series all right, there were all of the big takeaways that I had as I watched chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8 of season 1 of The Mandalorian. So, of course, before we close out season 1 and we turn the page to season 2, after the turning of the calendar page to 2023, I wanted to do more so reflection on simply season one and that's where you guys came into play i went over to discord i went over to twitter and i asked you to share with me feelings that you have about the season now that we're three years removed from season one and also some things that you could see carrying over into season three i challenged our discord members and my twitter followers to get engaged with that conversation and y'all came in clutch i'm feeling so thankful uh, and so, so blessed, really, to just have to have listeners that uh, care to have their input given to me and then to hear me talk about it. So thank you so much for this. And we'll continue to do that some more. So 
plugging here. Let me do some more plugs. Join our Discord. I'll put that link in our description. And follow me on Twitter at Mando Talk. Okay, let's read these. Let's go to Discord first. Let me make sure that I definitely give some appreciation to that group because I always refer to our Discord group as family. So our first submission here, and I think we had two. I think we had two from Discord. First submission is from Melanie. Melanie says, I think season one was brilliant. Have rewatched it many times. Also, great to have awesome women directors represented. All of the episodes were fantastic, but the standouts for me were episodes three, four, seven, and eight. The season finale was absolute perfection, in my opinion. I can't wait for season three. I also really appreciated and enjoyed learning about the Mandalorian lore. All of the scenes with the armor were great. This is the way. And of course, Melanie ended it with two green hearts and all caps Grogu, rightfully so. So let me just hit on all of those great points that you made there, Melanie, here real quickly. Yes, I absolutely agree with you that the women directors in this season were incredible. I believe it was both Bryce Dallas Howard and Deborah Chow, and both of them directed some of the best episodes of the season. Season three was Deborah, or excuse me, episode three was Deborah Chow. That might be my favorite episode of the season, honestly. And and episode seven, chapter seven, was also directed by Deborah Chow. And again, another incredible episode. Unfortunately, though, the only negative about episode seven is that Quill died. You thought I was going to be critical of Deborah Chow. No, Quill died in episode seven. That still breaks my heart to this day. And then chapter four is directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. So yes, you're absolutely correct. The women directors in this were phenomenal. Let's see. The season finale was absolute perfection. Shout out to Taika Waititi with that one. And then, yes, the Mandalorian lore, that is something that has always intrigued me. They keep giving us that. They gave it to us in season one. They gave it to us in season two, even the Book of Boba Fett. And I still, I still need to know more. Thank you so much for sending that in, Melanie. Definitely some great points there regarding season one. All right, last Discord entry, and then we'll hop on over to Twitter. And this one comes to us from B.A., if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know who B.A. is. That's Brandon Anderson. During season one and also season two, Brandon was part of the crew, and he would he would be he would pop in on episodes and, and give some reviews regarding The Mandalorian. So it's going to be great to read what B.A. has to say here. Here we go. Season one shaped the way that all of these massive fandoms view future content. Star Wars used to be considered a movie first media, but that isn't necessarily the case anymore. Success from Andor, Obi-Wan, House of the Dragon, etc. can all be traced back to this season and the people involved taking a chance at telling another story within the same world. Not to mention this story slash reveal of the child broke the internet in its time. Wish I could go back and experience that reveal again real time. Dude, you are so on the money with that, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. I want to backtrack to what you said earlier where you said Star Wars used to be considered a movie-first media. Dude, number one, Star Wars needs to get back in the movies, but number two, we are still in great hands with these incredible television shows. It's just absolutely phenomenal the things that they're dropping. Andor was great. 
Obi-Wan, you know, I did have some complaints, but overall it was a heck of a ride and, and so on. Really, all of them have been solid stories, and I can't wait to to see what else they have left. You also in here, BA, I think you I think you really just did this for me. You mentioned House of the Dragon. You know I love that Game of Thrones universe. So thanks for thanks for throwing hot D in there for me there, BA. But yes, you're so right regarding the reveal of the child breaking the internet. Star Wars was back massively in that first chapter. I remember Baby Yoda trending on Twitter for a solid week, it seemed like. And I don't think that had ever happened before. Maybe the only ever time that it happened before was with The Force Awakens. But even that, I kind of doubt it. I feel like the child, Baby Yoda, has broke the internet the biggest of any character in star wars history now that i'm saying that i'm thinking maybe season two finale when luke skywalker shows up but even that i'm i'm just gonna disagree with that it's grogu all the way baby grogu all the way but yeah i I definitely wish i could experience that reveal again it was certainly certainly special thanks ba for sending that in love to hear from you and and let me know when you want to hop on uh, mando talk again you're always more than welcome okay those were our discord entries Let's now check out Twitter. So I'm just going to do this in order of how I got these. So we're going to start with White Rabbit at Julie Baker 201 on Twitter. Let's see. I want to start with the one that she sent in first. Yes, here we go. Well, after three years, it's still awesome, still amazing, funny, heartbreaking, joyous, riot of a show, still looks and sounds amazing, still get chills hearing the Mandalorian theme and Mando's little sound, the whistle. Absa freaking lutely Those descriptors that you just listed there, Julie, amazing, funny, heartbreaking, joyous, riot of a show, all of that stuff embodies star wars and when they dropped this mandalorian show the embodiment of star wars was felt throughout the world yet again there was none of this uh the force awakens was a direct copy of a new hope or oh the last jedi was so divisive and yada 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 all this stuff there was none of that just across the board you just had so much heart and so much fun with this series and I just love those descriptors that you you mentioned there. It just it gives me that nostalgic feel, and I believe I responded to you with that on Twitter. It, the Mandalorian season one is already so nostalgic in just these three years. As soon as I throw these chapters on, I'm immediately taken back to those early years of, of podcasting, of engaging online positively uh, with everybody because, like I said, everyone was just absolutely loving what we were getting at the time with the Mandalorian. So thank you for that entry, but we got another one from at Julie Baker 201. How much Mando changes through the season from a hardened bounty hunter to being a father to Grogu. Can't wait to see how their relationship is now compared to season one. And that again is definitely the foundation of this show. It's the foundation of season one. It's even more so also the foundation of season two is how that father father-son kind of relationship here continues to develop and I cannot wait to see what they do with that relationship in season three that is definitely what they are going for in this Mandalorian story and I as a newly acquired acquired is that what I should say as a newly titled as a newly becoming father 
I have a feeling that this season's going to impact me in ways that these previous seasons didn't because I'll be seeing it in that light. So I definitely can't wait uh, for that aspect aspect. All right. Next entry. All right. This one, I have to admit this individual might be one of my favorite follows on Twitter because their positivity and their love for the Mandalorian is so fantastic. I know her first name is Molly. Is it Brazil or Brizzle? I might be mispronouncing that. I'm so sorry, but regardless, at Molly Brizzle, M-O-L-L-Y-B-R-I-Z-Z-E-L-L. Go follow that account. She is absolutely fantastic. I love her positivity when it comes to The Mandalorian. Anyway, let's read this one. I love it more and more as additional content comes. I think answers as to how Grogu ended up at the Nikto encampment in the beginning of the show, as well as more of Din's backstory, perhaps with the Chapter 6 gang, will be revealed going forward in Season 3 and beyond. Okay. The Nikto encampment thing, if I remember correctly, that is something I brought up during the chapter one rewatch that we did on this podcast just a few weeks back. So I 1000% agree with you. I do think that that is something that we should see. And I know in that podcast, I speculated that maybe that somehow connects to the Nikto speeder gang bikers that are on Tatooine. I don't really think that that's a thing. It's just cool to see that species being involved in all this craziness, this dirtiness of of bounty hunting and things like that. But I definitely want to know. I want to know how Grogu ended up there, how those Niktos came to, to have him in their possession. I'm just very intrigued by Grogu's backstory, and I know we keep getting these flashbacks, of course, most notably the Order 66 stuff, but I want to know how he, how, how, what's Grogu been doing? What, what's he been up to? How has he made it so far completely on his own, or at least we're, we're led to believe that he's on his own, but of course, we, he had to have been saved or helped by somebody we just haven't seen it yet and then also din's backstory that's something that we just talked about here in this in this rewatch as far as the chapter six gang uh, that's the prison break that's the prison break gang so yeah i would again i don't know if we'll see it in series definitely though give it to us in a comic or something because i do think that there is a story there and then molly also went on to say She's got a theory that a lot of Din's backstory will also come during his venture into the living waters beneath Mandalore. And it standing ovation to that theory, uh, round of applause. I 1000% think that that would absolutely make sense. Like if, if he's, you know, getting into those waters, you know, as, as soon as he gets in there, he, he has all of these emotions, these feelings rush back to him. Also, you, you use the word venture. I, I agree with that as well. You know, as he's going through that, as he's making his way to those waters, things like that, just all of these different things could could easily play out onto the screen. I think that that would absolutely make perfect sense. So thank you so much for those two entries there, Molly. I, I hope I hope we're on to something, especially about the Nikto thing, because I'm dying to know Grogu's backstory. All right, next up, Rebel Scum Texan. You know who that is. That's DJ Foster. That is my co-host of this thing. Let's see what he had to say. Biggest takeaway from season one pertaining to season three is 
Emily Swallows, love Emily Swallow, the armorer. Emily Swallows, the armorer. There's so much mystery surrounding her character in the history of Death Watch leading into season one. It'll be incredible to hopefully see her character's history weaved into the fabric of season three. I do think we're going to see that, DJ. I know that that wasn't something that we saw in season two. We surprisingly saw the armor in the Book of Boba Fett. So I definitely see her being incorporated in season two heavily. I expect to see her heavily in this season. Thank you so much for sending that in, DJ. I know, you know, you got a lot of things going on right now, so I appreciate you hopping on over to Twitter and getting actively engaged with it. All right, let's see what else we got. Drew, the Drew Brett. Drew Brett of Clashing Sabres Network. Go check out that podcast if you haven't done so already. Drew says the following. Mando was a watershed moment for Star Wars and really propelled it in the direction the saga has gone. It proved making the jump to serialized TV can work, that there was an audience for it, and that the newly released Disney Plus had some real value. Not only all that, but man is it in all caps, good. Grogu became the face of Star Wars in a way nothing had since R2 and 3PO debuted in 1977. New voices in the writing, quality actors brought into the fold, stunning tech, a great herald of things to come. Drew, absolutely on the money, and I want to speak to specifically the Grogu becoming the face of Star Wars uh, comment that you made there. For me, I, I wish I wish Star Wars podcasting was my day job, but in my day job of being a high school teacher, I get to see, you know, these kids have interests, you know, outside of school, you know, sports, movies, music, things like that. Typically, these past, I've been teaching, this is my fourth year now, these past three years, it's all, it's, it's, it's pretty much been all Marvel. All these kids love Marvel. That's their go-to fandom, things like that. But I'm telling you, in this year, this recent year, that's starting my fourth year here, it's like all of these kids that were in that perfect 12 to 13-year-old range have now got into high school to where I'm now teaching them. And I'm telling you, Grogu made a lasting impression and impact on these kids to where the Mandalorian and Star specifically the Mandalorian has made Star Wars extremely relevant to the youth again. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is when Star Wars is succeeding. If you're a longtime listener, you've heard me talk about that fact that Star Wars is generational. Star Wars needs something to make people want to care about it to the next kids and like pass it on and pass it on and pass it on. Grogu, I'm telling you, was that thing, and I'm getting to witness it. I get to have conversations about it with these kids. It is absolutely awesome. So 1,000% Grogu became the face of Star Wars, and Grogu is still the face of Star Wars to this day. You go out Christmas shopping this year, and Grogu is still the first thing that you see when it comes to the Star Wars section. And even when you're not in the Star Wars section, you go to Hobby Lobby, for goodness gracious, just a Christmas decoration store, and Grogu's in the main aisles with Christmas decorations just in general. So it's absolutely wild how Grogu has become the face of Star Wars and how he's just instantly recognizable, not even by Star Wars fans. So again, that's when you know 
you have done something right. All right, Drew, let me real quickly read over all this to make sure there's anything else that I want to hit on. It it looks like that was really the big thing that I want to touch on because we've definitely talked about how, you know, Mando was a watershed moment for Star Wars. It really propelled it into the direction that the saga has gone. And I can't wait to see the the further direction that Favreau and Filoni have for this Mandoverse. And 1,000% agree with you. I know initially the fan base was was nervous about going to TV, but man, it works so well. Absolutely fantastic. Appreciate the mention there, or excuse me, the reply there on uh, Twitter there, Drew. Okay, let's see. I'm scrolling through here, making sure that I've covered all of our text entries. That's right, our text entries. I've got one more entry that I know of at least. I'm just doing my 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 final scroll here. I believe I've covered all of the text entries. So I do have an audio entry from Rural Farm Boy RFB. Of course, RFB is a friend of the show. He he was willing to monitor our chat whenever we, you know, had the had the time in our lives to do live streams. He kept it clean, kept it safe for all of us. And uh, he hopped on over to Twitter and he just shot me a DM. He, I guess he had too much to say to type it out, which is totally understandable. So I'm just going to play exactly what RFB ended up sending to me. So without further ado, here is RFB. How do Mando talk clan crew? That's RFB. Answering the call. Caleb's putting out once, once friends and listeners thoughts on Mandalorian season one. What's been now three years ago. Um, I can remember leading up in the months before we got that was November 12th, which opened up Disney plus Mando did and was following some spoilery friends like Jason Ward who had one thing cause they clamped down on that tight, but he got a hold of one thing that was Intel of what we were going to see of a, a baby of Yoda's race and dang if he weren't right, but through the first eight chapters, from the very first one on Mount O'Crease walking across that ice field. And then everything. I wasn't looking for myself. I don't I don't go into any Star Wars with expectations, so I can never be let down. And I, I can recall hearing some different things where through those first eight chapters, folks were trying to figure out how it did or didn't tie to the previous one or what might come with the next. I didn't do that. I had not one issue. With Toro Calican. He'd done himself in. And that's what that part of the story told. And wasn't we all just floored. When we seen the Darksaber. And then. Cannot wait to hear what Caleb's got. Coming for season two. To go through. But that's my thoughts. And looking forward to hearing many more Mando clan. Mando talk clan friends. And what they got to say. And then in my playlist. So till then. May the force be with all of you. See you on the radio. All right, RFB. May the force be with you, first of all. Now, let's talk about some things that you mentioned there. You are 1,000% on the money as far as them keeping this season, season one of The Mandalorian, airtight. I mean, we knew nothing going into this season. 
obviously season two, they really struggled to do that yet again. I mean, we almost knew every appearance. We knew Boba Fett. We knew Ahsoka. We knew Bo. We even, well, no, we didn't really know Luke. That was one thing that they were able to save. But I was somebody that I guess maybe because I was early on in my podcast covering where I wasn't really reading all of the articles, the leaks, the news reports. I went into the Mandalorian not knowing about a Yoda species, a baby Yoda species popping up whatsoever. So that is something that was actually a massive surprise to me. And then you are so right regarding as soon as as soon as this show opened, the first scene. And especially, I still get chills just even thinking about this scene, especially as soon as Mando goes to that, I guess, biker bar, speed biker bar, and that door opens and you see his silhouette. It was at that moment that I knew every single thing about this show was going to be absolutely special. And they clicked on all cylinders from day one. And you're so right about Toro Calican too. Like, I know that that dude has gotten some massive hate online for being a horrible ca- character. But let me tell you something, folks. He was designed to get on your nerves. He was designed to be somebody that you couldn't stand because th- he was just that young and that silly. And because of his actions, he got off. And he was written that way. It was designed to play out that way. So in a sense, like, yeah, I do hate that guy, but I feel like I'm supposed to hate that guy. So that was that was well done. But yes, so interested with that dark saber. And then it, it was at that moment where I was like, oh, crap, if they're pulling in this dark saber to the Mandalorian, this really, really is connecting to the animated shows that we've seen in the past and season two of the Mandalorian just doubled down on that, tripled down on that. And I'm fully expecting season three to just continue that transition. So there we go. That perfect segue there to, to then say we're ready for our season two Mando rewatch beginning after the new year. So there you have it. There's all of the Twitter and discord submissions again, Thank you so, so much, every single one of you that sent something in for that. That was an absolute blast. I always love hearing from you guys more than I enjoy hearing myself. So anytime, even if I don't throw it out there, anytime, hop on over to Twitter at Mando Talk and tweet at me and say, hey, talk about this in your next podcast episode, and I will gladly do it. And you can also do that over in Discord. Click that Discord link down in our description. Join that crew. Again, I I just call it a family because it's just a small little group that just loves talking about the Mandalorian and all things Star Wars with each other. So check out those two platforms if you want to continue to be featured in Mando Talk episodes. Well, with that down, if you want more Mando Talk, again, make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Mando Talk on all of those platforms. Again, be sure to knock out your bounty instructions that I mentioned earlier in this episode uh, to ensure that you are a member of Clan Mando Talk. You know, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on our podcast platforms, rate us on our podcast platforms, five stars only, five stars only, and all of those different things. Well, again, Thank you so, so, so much for checking out this rewatch episode. Of course, we will have a new rewatch episode soon as we continue to gear up for The Mandalorian Season 3. 
I'll see you, you know, in 2023 next time. Un- again, unless we get a Mandalorian season two, tra- excuse me, season three trailer. I got to catch up, got to catch up. But until next time, as always, we have spoken. Thank you.